the volume. Moneyline Monaco is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. This is why I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. There's amazing new and existing user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings if you want to cash out in as fast as two hours and how fun is it to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in presented by FanDuel on that homepage if you are new just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now sign up with promo code Monaco so they know I sent you disclaimer 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. All right, welcome back to another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. Alex Monaco bringing back one of our favorite college basketball sharps and guests, Michael Calabrese of the Big Big Bets on Campus podcast via Action Network. All right, Michael, we're diving into Friday. You ready to dance? I'm ready to dance, and it's your call. Am I like Providence? Am I overrated? Am I underrated? You know, let the audience make up their own mind here. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start out top of the chronological order on Friday. St. Peter's, the I'm over here in New York. So the New Jersey wonder getting 12 and a half going against Purdue and the seven foot four Zach attack with Jay Nivey. How do you like this one against the spread and or a little double result if you're feeling something? So I'm going to say a bunch of nice things about St. Peter's because they're here. <laughs> this is a you know rare opportunity to talk about the Peacocks. Listen, they're on a defensive heater. They've held eight of their last nine opponents to 65 or less. They do not give up easy looks. In terms of defensive shot selection, according to shotquality.com, they're 22nd nationally, which the translation is they always force you into shots that you don't want to take that are a low percentage that you know have low value. So think about eliminating those shots at the rim and eliminating wide open threes. But here's the thing. They're up against the number two rated offense, according to shot quality. Purdue can beat you inside. They can beat you outside. They can play lots of different lineups. And because of that, I think what's going to happen in this game is they're going to steam out to a, a pretty sizable first half lead. And then it's on a St. Peter's offense that has caught fire, but still has not been able to you know, improve their stats beyond 313th on two point shots in the country. Like 
only hitting 46% of your shots for a team that attacks the rim a lot is not great. They're going to, they're going to attack the rim. They're going to try to get to the line, but here's the thing about Purdue because they have that incredible size. They don't have to be aggressive. Just throw your hands up, play good, solid fundamental defense and let St. Pete shoot their way out of this game. I'm on the boilers here. Minus 12 and a half. Also taking the first half minus seven. Is there anything you saw with Edert off the bench against Kentucky banks, putting up 27, a season high. Do you think, that those are one-off games for the Peacocks and they won't replicate that? Or do you think there's something to be said about them playing their best basketball in the last two games? I think their defense will travel. I think they'll continue to play hard. But when you look at how good they are defending the rim, they haven't been facing, you know, legit seven-footers. Yes, Shibwe absolutely crushed them, but now Purdue can throw multiple bigs at you. And the way that Williams can play in the post, I think they can get them in foul trouble. A team that's had decent depth for a mid-major, I think is going to be really tested. And then, as I mentioned, all that pressure is going to slide to their offense, which they're playing with house money, making threes that they shouldn't have made, you know, making these circus shots. Can that is that sustainable? In my opinion, it isn't. And I do think if these teams had met in the first round, this this line would have been closer to 20. So you're getting solid value. My power rankings call it for Purdue minus 18. I love them at minus 12 and a half. Do you see where the smart money is in this game from your sources? Or is are you still waiting for the money to trickle in? This, you know, historically, when it comes to uh, Friday games of the Sweet 16, you don't see the, the heavy action come until Friday morning. A lot of people are looking at the early bets for that Thursday where they're betting Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday. So there's going to be some action that's going to be a little bit delayed. So I think right now there's probably some false indicators out there in the market. All right. All right. Well, moving on to Kansas against Providence, Kansas minus seven and a half led by, of course, Abaji, who's put up 20 plus and eight, 18 straight games an incredible scorer in the big 12, big 12 champs as well. Do you think this is too big of a number, though? A lot of people thought Providence was playing with their food, kind of slept on them. I think I, I had them out already at this point in the tournament, but they're here playing good ball, good team ball. What is your capping knowledge on this one? I mean, the fact of the matter is Kansas plays down to their opponents. They've played so many games this year, whether it's against Kansas State, a two-point win over Oklahoma, a three-point win over Oklahoma, going to OT with Texas Tech. It, it really doesn't matter who they're playing. They've been playing in so many close games. And for me, it, it comes down to the role players for Kansas. When Jalen Wilson or David McCormick play really well, they're virtually unbeatable. In the last game, thank goodness for the Jayhawks, Wilson came to play with a double-double, 14-14. and 14. McCormick kind of disappears. You go back to the Big 12 championship game, McCormick has 18-11 and 11 against Texas Tech, helps them get it done. The fact that they haven't put it all together for me indicates this is too many points against a Providence team that seemingly has played every game this year in a one- or two-possession game. And I think when you also look at their roster breakdown, it, it's almost like uh, you know being on the Texas Hold'em table and you need that river. You, have, you need lots of outs. You need a flush. You need you know, a card to come out. They have so many different scores and a coach that will put different lineups on the floor that they can beat you from three-point range or just put the ball in Bynum's hands or Reeves' hands on the perimeter. I love what they have in terms of that versatility. So as a gambler, I view that as lots of outs. I'll take the points here at seven and a half. I think this is inflated by about two, two and a half, which may not seem like a lot, but that's pretty big for a Kansas team that just hasn't had that killer instinct, absolutely crushing teams and getting that with an easy victory. Do so you think Kansas wins Providence covers, if you had to guess? 
Yes, I do think Providence is going to do what they've done all season, which is gets the line a lot, and that really gives them stability. So they're not necessarily that high variance team where if the threes are falling, they're going to win the game. If they're not, they're out of it. Um, I, I think particularly Al Durham, you know, is somebody who can draw fouls. He's someone who's effective on the wing. So I, I like the Friars here. I like Ed Cooley. I think it's gone from a good story to they're just flat out a good team, and I think they'll hang around here. Protect yourself against upsets this March with Bracket Play Insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back each day if your parlay of three legs or more falls one leg short. I'm going to dance with Duke on this parlay as my first leg. I'm going to dance with Miami over Iowa State as my second leg. And this is very hard to do. But because we get parlay insurance, I'm going to emotionally take UCLA over North Carolina to wrap up this parlay. Again, there's insurance. And parlays are great because you can turn a small bet into a big payday. And with cash out, the ball's in your court. So you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is over. New to FanDuel? Just sign up with promo code MONACO. Then you can bet the bracket all tournament long. That's promo code MONACO on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All-state disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. If exactly one leg loses, refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. NCAA tournament SBK wager required. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG Colorado Indiana New Jersey Virginia 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE NEW YORK 467-369 New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia all right I'm very excited to talk about this one Bruins Tar Heels North Carolina playing sensational in the tournament bouncing a one seed in Baylor huge lead let them back in one in OT ultimately RJ Davis went off Baycott averaging a double double this season both teams are very similar against the spread 2015 to one and 2016 to one. Do you look at this one from a recency bias standpoint with North Carolina playing excellent, or do you feel like UCLA can make a back-to-back return to the final four? So, I mean, North Carolina has won eight of nine straight up. They've been playing some great basketball. Yes. They almost let the lead slip away against Baylor, but in the end they get it done in overtime. Baycott continues to bully teams on the glass. And really, I think that's where this game comes down to because UCLA has to shoot over 50%, probably in that 55% range to really beat this team because not only are they the third best defensive rebounding team in the country, the Tar Heels, but that also spurs their fast break, their transition game, those outlet passes. So when those shots aren't falling and UCLA is a rare team in that they really love the mid-range jumper, 
And it's not an efficient shot if it's not going through. So I look at that as feeding the North Carolina offense. And then from a personnel standpoint, you know, Mick Cronin historically has always been very tight-lipped about exactly what he has. But all the only thing he'd say about Jaime, Jaime Jaquez Jr. was that, thank goodness we have until Friday. To me, that means at best he's playing, you know, a little bit gimpy. At worst, he's on the bench. Johnny Juzang has been banged up throughout the season. Credit to him for playing through it. But he hasn't gone to 20 points or more since early February. I just don't see UCLA being able to outgun them if this game is played in the upper 70s, 80s. And I think all of North Carolina's strengths really, you know, kind of align with them winning this one going away. You think the wrong team's favored? I do. I'm on North Carolina money line. I'm going to go ahead and ride that hot hands. Um, North Carolina has been a Jekyll and Hyde team, but everything they've showed me lately, you know, really even going back to the ACC tournament is that they're starting to put it together. And as I mentioned, that defensive rebounding element really limits the potential outcomes here. UCLA is going to have to shoot out of their shoes to, to make this happen. So I, I think all in all, when you factor in some of the injury issues, I'll go with the Tar Heels money line. Yeah, I'm on UCLA, the final four. I had this exact matchup and I'm nervous. I feel like North Carolina is probably the play. Do you think from a futures perspective, nibbling a little on North Carolina, the final four isn't a bad bet? No, I think that that's an interesting play, particularly when you look at the next matchup. You know, you always have to think ahead. How are they going to match up with those particular teams? So depending on the number you could get, that is one way to go ahead and, and hedge it. All right, let's wrap up with the, I would say, last but least, to be honest. I am not particularly fired up about this one, mainly because I'm upset that I was on USC on our conversation last week over Miami. Miami has impressed. They are the favorite minus two and a half against Iowa State. I wanted to see Wisconsin in this matchup, but they took care of another another impressive win, really, for the Cyclones. How do you look at this one, Michael, with Iowa State getting two and a half? Iowa State needs one thing and one thing only to win. They need to force turnovers. They're one of the most disruptive teams in the entire country. They play LSU in round one. They squeeze out a victory thanks to 19 turnovers. They shut down Johnny Davis. They force 17 turnovers to a Wisconsin team that generally doesn't turn the ball over. Everything's great. The Canes, on the other hand, are one of the, the best teams in terms of ball security in the entire country. Ninth in assist to turnover ratio. It starts with, you know, Charlie Moore being, you know, so sure-handed and being able to break the press and, and lead their offense. But what I really love about the Canes in this spot is, yes, they, they beat USC. They end up boat racing Auburn. But they did it without McGusty really having a great game. He made zero threes in those two games. I see a positive shooting regression working here in the Sweet 16 for them. I think once Iowa State falls down, their offense is just horrific. I don't think they're going to have anything in terms of an answer for Miami. And because the likelihood of getting you know double-digit turnovers is pretty slim, I'm going to go ahead and take Miami here. First half, race to 20 game. Give me it all on Miami. I love that. Do you feel like the under could be a play with how premium scoring was in that Wisconsin game and with Miami? I know Miami is a little more up-tempo, but with what Iowa State hasn't shown us offensively, do you, do you like the under? I think this, this total, it's set within a point and a half of my power ranking, so I, I think it's pretty accurate. And the other part of it is sometimes you know teams die hard at this point in the season. You could see fouls down you know 10, 12, 15 points in the final minute because no one wants to get on that bus and have their you know their dream end. So because of that, with really low totals, I get a little bit skittish. So that's a pass for me. 
All right. I love it, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on and the insight. I'm going to be tailing a lot of these picks. Appreciate you as always. Make sure to check out his podcast, Big Bets on Campus with the homie Colin on Action Network. Thanks a lot, Alex. The Volume.